Hello and welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I am Anthony Oliveira, PhD culture critic, dumpster raccoon, and joining us, our illustrious leader, without whom the mutant resistance would be impossible. <laughs> Ian Carlos Crawford. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> so this is our official last recording that we're doing for our summer of X-Men. Oh, man. I it, I well, I feel like we did it all in a week. So. <laughs> God, we really did. <laughs> Um, but joining us today, we have three wonderful guests, uh, voice actor and one of my many Twitter husbands. Justin Fraction. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Justin. Uh, and in this corner, we have culture critic for New York, the New York Magazine site, Vulture. Angelica Jade Bastien. Hi, Angelica. And in the other corner, we have professional Charles Xavier slanderer, Twitter ship poster, freelance and freelancer for sci-fi fangirls. Stephanie Williams. Hi, Stephanie. Hey. <laughs> um, so you've all been on before. Justin, it's your first time in a while. Uh, it's nice to have you all back, especially for our final X-Men episode. Half of me has been like, man, I want to talk more about the animated series. Like, I want to add more. After I, like, got to this point, I'm like, hmm. Because the animated series is so good. I love it. Um, uh, why is this the episode you picked, Ian? I am curious. Okay, so, well, let's tell everyone. So we're gonna, here to discuss uh, the two-episode arc from the animated series, One Man's Worth. Um, I, so I, the, the two, the three arcs I picked for the animated series were Night of the Sentinels, Dark Phoenix Saga, and One Man's Worth. And weirdly, to me, those are the three that I, like, stood out the most to me. Like, I could remember them as a kid. Like, I remember explicitly watching and loving, I mean, of course, the first two episodes, who doesn't remember that? But, like... I don't know, for me, Dark Phoenix Saga, because originally, Anthony, I think when we had planned, I was going to try to do Phoenix Saga as well. Mm. But then I rewatched Phoenix Saga, and it's like, it, it, I don't know. It wasn't, it's not like that great, I don't think. Well, um, I just, I feel like this episode is such a, in some ways, it's such a departure from so much of what the show usually feels like. Um, yes. But it's also doing, like it may contain the show's thesis statement. So I'm fascinated. I still haven't decided how I feel about this episode yet. So I'm interested to be convinced one way or the other by our guests today. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, if we want to just get into the episode, um, do well, wait, actually, do any of you remember like your first introduction to the animated series? I don't know if uh, that's like a thing you recall or anything. Um, Angelica? No, I don't recall like the first episode I watched, but I definitely distinctly remember watching it as a kid yeah. and rewatching it today. Even though I have problems with this episode, it cements my theory about superhero adaptations where I think the best superhero adaptations are in animated form for mm -hmm. a number of reasons, both aesthetic and business wise when it comes to Hollywood productions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still sing the praises of this cartoon. Like I, I think while it does still, you know, does have faults and doesn't always land everything. I think it's still a lot better. I mean, you know, we've discussed the movies and the animated series this summer, and I think the animated series holds up so much better than a lot of the movie stuff. Totally. Uh, and a lot of it, yeah, a lot of it was just done better in the animated series, which is crazy to think of this cartoon from like 1993 was doing better than the movies were in like, 2000s but they just was um angelica what makes you why do you think this works like what is it about this that works for you why is the animated why is animated the better medium for this oh that's such a good question 
you know, I've been thinking about that a lot. And I think there's a flexibility with animation that you don't get in live action because of budget constraints. Mm. So the only constraint really with animation is your own imagination, basically. So that's one reason why I feel like animated forms tend to work better for superhero adaptations um, just on a budget level. But also I feel like animated versions for whatever reason have more fun playing with canon in an Mm. interesting way to me. And I was thinking about that because, you know, from Marvel's Rivals DC, I was watching the Harley Quinn animated series. And I kept thinking, why is this animated series so fucking good? Why is it so much better than anything DC is doing in live action? And it made me realize, like, what animated animation allows for when it comes to superhero adaptations. It can't be rivaled by live action. You know, a lot of times these live action movies, I I definitely think this is the case with the X-Men movies, the casting is so weird sometimes. And like people won't have real chemistry, you know, and maybe they Mm -hmm. look like the character, but that's not enough to really cast somebody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with the Harley Quinn animated series in particular, it understands the characters so well, which I think this X-Men animated series does too, like the soul of the character well enough, but then it's more comfortable playing with things beyond that and not being so beholden to canon or so beholden to what fans are expecting. Mm. That actually reminds me, in Harley Quinn, doesn't she kill the penguin? She kills the penguin and Mr. Freeze dies. And yeah. they're like, oh yeah, you bitches thought? You thought this shit was fake? Guess what? We're making fun of Batman. We're making fun of the Joker because both them asses suck. Okay? <laughs> Batman, guess what? He's a stunted little bitch. That's what <laughs> the animated series is so funny. It's just really good. And it's like, I don't know. It's fun to feel like a sort of freedom with watching superhero animated adaptations because a lot of times watching live action versions, I feel they're both emotionally and visually claustrophobic. I don't know. There's Mm. something about them that feels very stunted on multiple Mm. levels. I was just going to see if, I mean, Justin may have a bias here, but, <laughs> but I did oh, I wonder about like your, your X-Men origin and whether you feel like obviously cartoon and voice work is where the good work is happening. Yeah. You know, I, I started out with a pride of the X-Men, like a lot mm-hmm. of people back in 1989. I remember the very first time it aired on like a Saturday and it only came on that once. But then I went out and got the uh, X Men Nintendo video game. Oh yeah, which was absolutely terrible. <laughs> but then, of course, the arcade game came, and the animated series. Uh, I remember I was telling Ian another point that um, it used to air in where I grew up in Pittsburgh at that time. It would air at night between like eight and eight thirty, and my whole family would watch it because it was adult enough that they could actually sit through it and not be bored right yeah wow yeah. i wish we had it at night that would have been way better <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it really yeah i know that like i i feel like i'm always singing the praises of this cartoon and i've seen people on twitter say like the the animation is dated and it is but i i don't think it's dated so much where it's like unwatchable i don't know mm-hmm. um steph what's your x-men origin for the animated series um I don't know if I remember like specifically, but I just remember watching it as a kid and then watching Spider-Man either before or after and then Silver Surfer. So like that little block. 
Um, I know I loved it because it reminded me of the video game and also the comics um, because a lot of the stories were like pulled from the Claremont era. Mm-hmm. And that's like really my shit. So mm-hmm. I just remember like really enjoying it. And I have to agree with An- um, Angelica. Like, I think that the superhero stuff does work best in um, when it's animated. Not that I don't care for the movies. I still like those for different mm-hmm. reasons. But I like the fact that you can play around like, Harley Quinn is very much my shit. Like that is because mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of times I'm like, are you not writing in the writers room? Like, no, I'm not. I should be, but I'm not. <laughs> but it, like, it's very much because like I love playing with canon like that. Like I love what they're able to do, and I feel like you can draw more humor. Um, and and the jokes land better in um, animation sometimes than they do in live action. So also I love it because I can put music to it. So you know, very much love it. You know, it's it's funny. Adam Sass said um, in one of our movie episodes how a lot of the X Men movies feel like they're almost in- ashamed to embrace the like the fact that they're superheroes. You know, they put mm-hmm. them in these like black leather costumes that are very dulled down, um, and they're like they you know there's that joke in the first X Men movie where he's like, oh, what do you expect us to wear spandex? And it's like, uh-huh, yeah, I get it, but like that's what they fucking wear. Like, come on. Um, and I feel like yeah, the like the Harley Quinn cartoon especially it like still shows it's like still very much those characters but it you know fucking they kill penguin and they they're not afraid to like make jokes about like batman and robin and how weird it is that there's this little kid as a sidekick and like i don't know i think the cartoon i think that's a thing i liked about this arc that's why it stuck out to me as well is because this arc pays like there's still like uh, they're embracing the cartoon and the, or they're embracing the comics and the aesthetic of the comics and you know even in that opening in the alternate history they're in their age of apoc a lot of them are in their age of apocalypse costumes um but it's still a different story right it's not there's no like single comic book that this is based on and i think that's what i liked about this as a kid too um like i remember looking for the one man's worth story because i thought i just assumed everything was based off a story arc in the cartoon but and anthony we talked about this the whole first season really isn't right like, yeah it's not really yeah i think this what's interesting to me about this these this two-parter is it catches the cartoon at a very it's definitely in its baroque moment now like it's it's very confident about what it's doing as a project it's not afraid to synthesize material from the original comics into something new there's a lot of Steph was talking about Claremont like there's a lot of homages to old school stories here um, but they're completely remixed into um, a new story it's also (laughs) homages to a lot of other pop culture things like it's hard not to feel the DNA of Terminator in here a lot Um, not just in terms of like the obvious Nimrod T-1000 stuff but like even at a structural level for how the time mechanics work um it's a lot of fun it's a weird yeah it's it's like it's like a classic x-men story that never existed which really fits with the whole like time erasing itself narrative that's happening here yeah and i think it's exactly what angelica said about harley quinn it's able to like embrace the comic bookiness but it's still like its own thing and they're like playing with canon here and you know this they're like sure in this in this alternate history storm and wolverine are married which i will say as a kid I always, and I think it's because of this cartoon, this like two-part arc, I always wanted Wolverine and Storm to get together. And that's still like in the back of my head. I'm always like, "Mm, but that would be cute if they like did get together. And then um, Wolverine actually shaved her head with one of his animantium claws, which 
always like gave me heebie-jeebies i'm like how does she not have razor bumps on the side of her head (laughs) (laughs) maybe uh he has that bevel technology um that's why that never happened but yeah (laughs) it's a very clean shave yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um but so this one yeah i that was in my notes later the i mean nimrod is very like the the terminator that uh what is it jason patrick or whatever that guy's name is i mean this is the usual claremont thing where it's like you sometimes pick up a comic and it's like i know what movie he saw on the weekend Uh, (laughs) 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 nimrod is even more that in the book than he is here but like he sh- shapeshifts. He turns into this like chemical that reconstitutes itself. Like it's pure Terminator stuff happening here. Um, even the Bard College thing is an homage. To, that's where uh, Chris Claremont went to school. That he just put Charles Xavier in the same school that he went to. Like he's not afraid to do this kind of work. And the episode sort of picks that up too. Like there's a lot of flashes of characters here where it's like you don't know who this is. Fuck you. Like it doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> you clocked like there's morph there's another version of morph you know like i kind of enjoy that playfulness um yeah i made i tried to make a list of like all of the characters we see in that like alternate future slash present timeline and it's like ever it's like blink mimic Sabretooth, magneto wild child uh colossus nightcrawler a bunch of morlocks mr sinister mastermind freaking holocaust is on their side which is insane um an armless gambit frenzy in her octolith costume like just like so much shit and then i love that the avengers are the bad guys i love that it's like the weird like 90s avengers and like very explicitly black widow and giant man especially just like oh they sent more of their superhumans and it's the avengers that are coming in to attack them i don't know i love i love that but also now i'm getting ahead of myself anthony that's on you i didn't do anything i know the episode (laughs) starts with them failing which is crazy like the episode starts with like Bishop and Shard and Forges, whatever. I forgot. And I had watched this. I've been like background watching X-Men, the animated series a lot this summer because of the podcast. And I'd already watched this, but I forgot that it starts off with them having failed. Right. Like it's like Bishop and Shard and Forge being like, crap, the whatever happened. And they know that it failed. Um, and they fail. What? Like two more times. <laughs> <laughs> which as a kid again i think i loved the fact that they failed like we never really if the heroes failed it felt more of a like i don't i don't know i just don't remember that in a kid's cartoon when i was little and that was like a big deal to me that like i liked that they failed um i also loved time travel as a kid so like any plot with that i would play with my action figures um but yeah and i liked i, I like that we are centering around bishop and shard and they are not main characters in the comics, nor in this cartoon, but it's like we're, we, the writers have faith in us at this point that it's like, sure, we can have these new main, these characters as the main characters. And like, you're just going to deal with it. I don't know. I, I really like that. And we get the, the scene of Storm and Wolverine, you know, being flirty, which is a little over the top because it's like suddenly they're very flirty in this weird picnic that they're having. <laughs> I like um, his high tops. Wolverine looks really hot here. <laughs> he does. <laughs> his like little jean shorts. When she's like beautiful and he says, Who me? It's like, Yeah, yeah, you. You look great. <laughs> Up in that tree? Damn. And she even says, like, I won't make the Garden of Eden, re- Eden reference that Beast would. It's like, Ooh, what's going on here? <laughs> she really wanted to make that reference, though. Like, Storm held that back. 
um, like she loves a good dad joke. Yeah, yeah. I was saying on the last episode that like I think Storm is low key one of the funniest X Men, but she's mm-hmm. so regal that it takes a long time for her to deliver the joke, and I kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> she's sort of trapped in her own presence. <laughs> um but so we and and steph you tweeted this clip um the like he's like oh we couldn't we just get ants like regular people and then like professor x does this like very weird like scream and but like the thing comes up on the screen on his wheelchair which like i don't quite understand where did he get that from like who exactly where is the money the math never maps for the charles xavier institute because there's just no way that it's not insurance fraud because who has that who has like why 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 would you even have a temporal whatever it was like charles what are you going through i think your whole thing is that you want um the mutants to have the same rights as humans and you want to have your little band of good mutants to parade around like why do you have this Sorry. also the, the, what did, it didn't didn't do anything for him right like he got like a oh, two wow. second heads up <laughs> uh, yeah i as a as a kid i definitely would like in my brain professor xavier's chair that thing could like have lasers on it that thing could do whatever it needed to do because of this cartoon because right it's like i think the toy did come with like little like lasers you could like pull up from his like armrests it definitely did (laughs) and so for me so much of this cartoon is linked to the toys even though i was always upset they never released aside from like storm and rogue and then like later a phoenix they never really released a lot of the ladies and that always like bothered me because of course as a gay child that's what i wanted was like the women from the x-men no i didn't care about the men as much except for the ones i had crushes on like gambit but you know (laughs) so they're in this like alternate timeline we learn that wolverine and storm are married uh, which i like i they they really like they really force it on you but i i like it i don't know i like it as like a a silly throwaway detail that like then is like the crux of what storm and wolverine are going through for the rest of this arc um i don't know i how do we how do we feel about them being married as like almost like a plot (laughs) <laughs> i mean i fucking love it i don't know why and i think it's because of this cartoon that i had this fascination with them possibly getting together even though it seems like i don't know like maybe you know the height difference seems a little much sometimes but <laughs> but i think it's like you know, I don't know. I find it kind of hot. I'm kind of like, mm, man, I can kind of see the sex tape in my head between them. Mm. And it is getting me where I need to go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, and I think the voice actors seem to have, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's still a kid's cartoon, but I think they have like the chemistry. I yeah. Maybe it's just, we've spent so much time with these characters at this point that it's like, sure. I, we already know that they're close because they're, you know, part of the X-Men. But uh, Steph, what do you think about them being together? Oh, you know, I love it. If it's not Chala, I'm for it. So um... thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Ooh, wow. That's such a hot fire truth because that pairing no thanks wow no. Yeah. but i completely um love it i guess i just 
I wanted to know what the dating situation was in this <laughs> scenario um, because like what was that um, so it just made me think of that and I thought that was really fun and probably inspired something and I love that they wear their like Storm wears her ring over her gloves yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Hope and Storm wear rings over gloves <laughs> it was very pleasing to me but like I also thought of the sex tape and I, I don't know y'all like look out for my webcomic soon because I'm pretty I wrote something because I just yeah like, <laughs> yeah does it have Wolverine getting pegged in it because that's what well, I'm imagining there is one now there I do have one with Wolverine coming up um where it's insinuated that he uh Jean Grey and also Cyclops have a little something going on um but Yes, Pegging is involved, and Pegging will definitely be involved with um, Storm. Because, like, it's Storm. Why not? I know. Like, of course she pegs. Like, come on. Can't you see it? It's powerful. It's inspiring. And it's where I want to be as a woman, personally. (laughs) Wolverine does have a really bratty bottom energy, I think, too. But see, and I mean, now I, I mean, I talk about this all the time in the podcast. I read a lot of fan fiction about Wolverine and see, but I always see Wolverine like Cyclops as the bratty bottom between him and I don't know Wolverine. so much about Wolverine's like his his mythos is so much about the penetrated body. Like so much of Wolverine's narrative is like, oh, no, I've been compromised and my identity is starting to blur. Like there's a lot of bottom energy in that. And like the tableaus of him being like crucified and him having like adamantium put into his body. Like there's something about the, like his resistance to it, but it's like part of his destiny to have his, his, um, his personal integrity compromised. (laughs) What are you saying? Anthony? Whereas Cyclops is like, he literally shoots like a beam of force out of his face. Like that's, there's no, nothing more top than that. (laughs) I, but see, for me, it's all posturing for me. It's like, Oh, well, I mean, everybody knows Gene is, is the top in that triad for sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But Justin, Anthony, what'd you two think about them being married as well? It reminded me of that episode of Saved by the Bell where Zach dates Lisa for that one episode and then they never bring it up again, (laughs) which I hated because I really would have loved to see more of those two together. But I also thought it was funny that Jean Grey ended up being like a nurse helping someone like she wasn't even important in this episode. In a full like paper hat. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She didn't pass out. She could have passed out. That's true. (laughs) Although Beast does have to protect her from from some rubble at one point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Anthony, what did you like it? Yeah, it's got a... It's amazing that it's never really, it's had its flashes in the comics, but it's never really been a thing. And it's, as soon as you see them together, it's like, oh my God, these two people have so much in common. They actually meet as like equals, like intellectual equals. They're like, they both have like this long personal history. Whereas I can't think of any relationship Wolverine has ever had that has that. Like Claremont has his usual creepy um, like the Japan stuff. Like Wolverine is definitely like a weebo in a terrible way, <laughs> and I like having someone who's like stands up to him and could meet him. Um, like if he's gruff, she's gonna be gruff back. I love that, and they do a really good job of sketching that really quickly here. Um, I really like that a lot. 
Yeah. You know what? That that also was a thing I was going to say is that it is all very quick, but I, I still buy it. Like, I, immediately I'm like, great, I'm in. Like, I see those wedding rings shining. Great. Cool. Buying it. Um, And I think, yeah. And I mean, there's so much happening in that weird battle where there's like a bajillion different mutants and, and Beast. What's the, I wrote it down and he's like, the, uh, he says something about like the crab robots right yeah oh yeah i wrote that down <laughs> oh the, the humans land have crabs sent... yeah yes <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> and the the it's a lot there's a lot going on that's like really ridiculous and i mean the fact that beast storm and wolverine three of like the main x-men are just watching magneto lose this battle and they're not doing shit about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> I laughed because I loved it. Um, because screw him too sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like so weird because they're like, oh, if we lose him, we're gonna lose whatever. Well, we better sit here and watch. Like, mm, <laughs> nothing we can do about it. <laughs> and like Beast, okay, maybe he couldn't do as much, but like Storm and Wolverine are pretty powerful. They could definitely I do help. think one of the I think we talked right before we started recording about how these uh, these this two-parter has a lot of padding in it and I think I would have sacrificed maybe one of the six flashbacks so that we could have gotten more of a sense of like the politics of this age of apocalypse moment that's happening here um like Magneto really does just like grunt twice and that's it and it's like well okay <laughs> it wants to really land the surprise of him being in charge but it doesn't give me any sense of like that universe that world beyond that it sketches it so quickly and then it's gone and i don't there are a lot of action sequences in these two in this two-parter and i maybe didn't need so long of them taking out a land crab you know like even as a kid (laughs) i don't care about the land crabs can we get back to the time travel (laughs) and it it also is weird because the whole battle scene ends very abruptly um it's like rogue flies in with i don't i couldn't make out who that was supposed to be that rogue flies in with and then he just like shoots a beam at these like evil avengers and they just fly off into the <laughs> right. sunset yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i was like wait what There's not a lot <laughs> of meat on the bone here yeah yeah did did any of you reckon i i had no idea if that was like a real mutant x-men person or if that was just like a made-up character that I did didn't that even talk rogue was in it I, I, I spent Ian, I spent like seven minutes and I said, you know what? Nope, it's not even worth it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> I went back and watched it twice just to find out why they traveled time traveled to this moment. Um, because like they're supposed to go back to 1959, so I don't even know why they had this like layover in the present day. Um, but it turns out it's because there's a brief like half line from Shard where she's like, We can't even ask the X-Men to help us. So they were like on a recruiting mission, I guess, which is uh, why they grabbed Storm and Wolverine. But yeah, it's a lot of real estate for not a lot of plot service. Yeah, that actually was in my notes. That like I know story wise, it would have been a mess if they took more X Men, but it feels like they should have taken more X Men, right? Like maybe you bring Jean Grey with you. Maybe you do bring Magneto with you as well. Like I just it was like mm. we're just like mm, these two are fine. Let's go. Like I don't know. The recruiting X-Men, it felt like, like bring bring a lot. There's a lot of people there. You know, Mr. Sinister would probably be really helpful if he's on their side in this. Like, sure, bring him with you. Um, but, like, the story wouldn't be the story, right, if there was, like, a huge fucking team. Um, and it would be a little overcrowded, I think. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. We, the, the, we get the back and forth with, like, Wolverine and Bishop. And 
I gotta say, I I know I'm always talking about these voice actors, but Bishop is also a really good voice actor. Like that's definitely the voice I still hear for Bishop in the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Philip Aiken or Aiken. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely like the Bishop voice for me. I mean, most of these characters in this cartoon are anyway. Um, I feel like Anthony and I both have said that often in our million recordings we've done this week. <laughs> he has like um, he's very good at that sort of clipped cop cadence that bishop should have right like yeah bishop is like very time cop and it's like yeah. <laughs> he, he sells that well and i like the way that shard has to remind him to like chill out every so often which is he has bishop is such a 90s like aggro character right like he's just <laughs> a big gun <laughs> yeah <laughs> why are his legs so they're he's just so thick <laughs> that's something that always stood out to me um watching this when i was growing up because i'm like here's this guy with this like really this silk press and he's so <laughs> damn thick it just makes no sense to me but i loved it <laughs> um yeah and as a kid i also really liked shard um i always remember when they brought her into the comics which is like a very nonsense way of bringing her in where she was like a holograph but then like she could do everything everyone else could do and had her powers uh but i remember being really excited when she was brought in i think it was x factor that mm, she was yeah. yeah yeah uh but i always and I think felt I, like oh, go ahead. no go ahead i always felt like shard is one of the most underutilized characters from the x-men like she appears just enough so that you might remember who she is but we've never really seen her just alive and doing things right uh it's just sad because there aren't that many you know black x-men period and so we have this possible person here with a history and we just don't see her much because i always thought she was t-boss that's what i would wrote down too that she got that t-boss haircut <laughs> <laughs> well a weird thing is they were the so talking about like the toys because i just always related to those toys they had a shard toy because i loved that figure <laughs> And, like, it's a very weird choice for, like, they never released, like, a Jubilee, but they had, like, a... I mean, eventually they did, but, like, they had a shard. It's very She's weird. She's underserved even in this... I mean, I yes. I swear, I don't think they even say her name until the second episode. I don't think they like, do. <laughs> And, like, she has... You could have done something... Like, she has a history, a romantic history with Trevor Fitzroy that would have been fun to sort of develop here. Like, it could have had something she doesn't really have much to play in these two episodes um it's a real it is a waste of a like i don't know why she's here really um which is a shame because there's so much more you could have done with her fun fact uh kay tremblay who voiced shard on this episode she also voiced cindy the assistant and she is also the voice of uh anna lee the morlock Oh, covered in scorpions. Covered in scorpions. <laughs> covered in scorpions. <laughs> that is a, that's the IMDb resume I want right there. So, Anthony, you brought up, I didn't know that she had a comic book, like in the comics that she had a relationship with Fitzroy, but... I do want to talk about Fitzroy because, I mean, at this point he had been, I mean, he and Shard, I think at the, the show is relying on the fact that at this point in the cartoon, they had been in the cartoon prior um, because Fitzroy is also very weird in this, um, but I loved him as a villain, as a kid. Like they had a, 
a variant of his toy in a bright pink outfit. And that was the figure I played with all. He was always the villain attacking the X-Men time traveling. Um, but him and Bantam, uh, Anthony, I was curious what you thought of their, it's like very queer coded, right? It is, and I swear it has no basis except that Bantam's outfit is so gay that they were like, well, <laughs> obviously something. <laughs> Bantam is, so Trevor Fitzroy, his name is actually a clue to who he is. Um, Fitzroy is like a title that means bastard of the king. So whenever someone has the name like Fitz, whatever, Fitzwilliam, Fitzgerald, it means they're the illegitimate son of somebody. So he's the illegitimate son of Sebastian Shaw, the black king. And he's traveled back in time in the comics. I did not know that. Yeah. So he's traveled back in time in the comics to sort of, um, he fights with Shinobi Shaw, who's Shaw's other kid. And they're trying to fight for control of the Hellfire Club. This was like brand new when the cartoon was coming out. But he used to be like, he used to be on the team with Bishop and Shard. He was dating Shard. And then they realized, wow, this guy's a serial killer, which to be fair, his powers kind of require him to be a serial killer. Right, <laughs> he yeah. needs to drain someone's life force to teleport. So it's like, and near as I can tell, Bantam's power is to count. <laughs> like his, his job <laughs> is to keep track of where Trevor Fitzroy's portals go. That's his only job in the comics. He's basically there just so that Fitzroy has a way to exposit to someone. Um, but he has no function here. He really just is, I guess, you could call it comic relief. He has no purpose here as far as I can tell. The funnier character to me in this is Master Mold, who where like Fitzroy drains that guy's life. He's like, he'll be fine in a few days. And Master Mold says in a very unrobotic way, whatever. Which I think yeah. is the funniest. <laughs> I just love this giant seated robot who's just bitchy for 40 minutes. I love that. <laughs> me <laughs> like well i'm gonna sit here and just be judgmental um yeah i and fitzroy also his i think his costume is also very gay because it's like the open chest and it's like very gay and very 90s as well mm. because Ugly green though i hate that like camo green he's wearing but also and this is gonna surprise no one i love his hair i think his hair is like super cool <laughs> like, i would want that hair now <laughs> it's like big and it's got like the green turquoise in it i love it i'm buying it it's yeah. very 90s future look right um yeah he has a he has a he has a fun little arc here right like very self-serving a mutant who fully betrays his kind and gets talked out of it because he's like you will die if you do this like that's a nice little story there i just wish that we part of the weird thing that happens in the structure of this episode is because we join them in media res we have no we never get a sense of why Bishop knows to travel back in time. If you gave me a chance to redraft this, I would have done like something with the Shard and Fitzroy stuff so that that's why they know to do this. That's why there's an emotional arc for those two. Um, I think that's the weakest part of the episode for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Shard just like has that like, she's like, here you go, guys. Here's the story that happened before the episode to Wolverine and Storm to convince them to travel with them. Um, and it is weird. Like I actually, when I was watching this, I was like, wait a minute, did I, is this part two? Like, did I miss part one? Did like, I started the wrong episode because it does feel very like a lot of pieces were moved before the episode mm -hmm. started. Um, I don't know. Did that bother any of you guys? Um, not as much as them going back to save Charles. <laughs> 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 that's fair uh well that's something, to, that's something to talk about is like the fact i mean it's literally called one man's worth like 
it puts a lot of meaning on the life of Charles Xavier here, right? Like it does, and the Age of Apocalypse did this too. Like, do we really think this one man had this much of an effect on history? And are we really supposed to believe that this is like, this is a savior figure? Like Charles Xavier's politics are not ideal. (laughs) You're going to get Steph worked up. (laughs) I actually was going to DM you when I realized what the episodes were. Cause I didn't know what I started watching. I was like, why the hell? All right. So clearly. <laughs> Steph has, Steph really hates Professor X. So you know, I wrote down Professor Pain in the Ass for this episode. He is no- a pain in the ass. Like, oh my God. Like, people are trying to save you, you bitch. Like, I don't believe it. I, oh. I, if I was like Bishop and I, I'd be like, damn, you suck. You suck so much. And I can't believe I'm doing all this shit for your white ass. <laughs> Sorry. I really don't like him either. And I was like, I, yeah, it sort of bothered me. The idea that his life is so important that without him, we're in some apocalyptic ass future. And it's just like, really? I don't think so. No, no, that's not how it works. I don't believe that. <laughs> Storm's like this one man and I'm like yeah girl I feel the same way <laughs> <laughs> but so they they travel back um, I a weird detail that I was going to ask if any of you all knew like Xavier talking to Jean's dad is that like is that a basis from the comics or is that just like a little cute John, John Gray is a professor of history in the in the comics so i don't know why he's talking so much about science here um but i do kind of i don't know i kind of i prefer xavier's relationship to gene to be as paternal as possible uh we talked in the dark phoenix episode about how it has had some creepier dimensions over the years um and i like this idea of him being like a like a rakish uncle to her more than anything else so i like that um but yeah, also, I don't know who Cindy is either. I don't know where she came from. She's really only here, I guess, to be Nimrod in disguise in part two. Yeah, I guess it's like, here's a character, and now you will remember when that character shows up again as Nimrod. But like, right. <laughs> also a weird thing is that he's bald, and he's like a college student, and like completely... He goes like, bald I, young. That is supposed to be a thing. He is supposed is to... The comics sort of changed about what mutants used to be. Um, in the early 60s comics... Mutants are very much like, well, we split the atom and now everyone is mutated. And like Charles Xavier's family works in a nuclear power plant. And that's why Xavier has no hair. And that's why he has mental powers. Like <laughs> That's kind of fallen by the wayside. And then the movies completely blew that out of the water, right? Like Magneto doesn't have silver hair as a kid like he has in the comics. And Charles Xavier's supposed to be bald very young. Mm. Hmm. But even right. the cartoon contradicts this. There's episodes later, earlier that have him with hair. So I don't know. <laughs> it looks like, yeah. it looks like a bad, like how do you draw a bad wig? And it's supposed to be his hair. Really bad lace front. You draw bad hair. So they go to the coffee shop, and we get the. I can. I appreciate the ridiculousness of. Like they are just sitting at this coffee shop and she's projecting this holographic image. They have their guns. They have their like ridiculous future outfits. And like everyone's like, mm, you yeah, know, there's some people over there. And this like bartender, I guess he's not a bartender. It's just a coffee shop or whatever. The guy counter guy is mad. And I, as a kid, this was the first time I can like be like, oh, that like 
this was the peak of adulthood. Like they fail, they die, and there's like a racist that gets beat up. Like for me, that was like, this is adulthood. I am watching an adult show, and like, I, I, I appreciate that Wolverine's the one that freaks out, and they're all like Wolverine, like shut up. Like I, I do like that. Um, no, I want them to burn the place to the ground. I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know why they're telling him to stop. I just, <laughs> I want that place torched. Anthony, you tweeted about this. Do we think that was on purpose that there's like a gay leather clad dude that helps Wolverine? Like that guy's <laughs> supposed to be like gay, right? I was joking. He's kind of, he's clearly supposed to, I mean, these things are tied together, but he's clearly like Martin, um, Marlon Brando uh, in that, what's that motorcycle movie called? Out of which that aesthetic sort of emerges, the Tom of Finland aesthetic. Right. But if you look at Marlon Brando in, what's it, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name of the movie. Um, but it's the same aesthetic. But yeah, he's very, <laughs> he definitely has an unusual crotch bulge in for the 90s X-Men cartoon. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, is this supposed to be because like the X-Men are like, you know, it's like the metaphor for otherness. So they're going to have this gay guy come in and help That's them how I too. I choose to read it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's very weird. It's just like the guy pops in, helps him, gives him a thumbs up and skedaddles. Like there's no. Because they freeze frame on him briefly. And I'm like, wait, so who's this mutant? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> no one. <laughs> he's just, he's just okay. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he gets a thumbs up, which I like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could see him mistaking Wolverine for maybe also a gay leather clad man. You know? Sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Wolverine is wearing eyeliner in this episode. Oh, he has to be, right? <laughs> like, I kept looking at the close-ups and I was like... What is going on? Like, why are you trying to rival Elizabeth Taylor and Cleopatra? Yeah, what? it's a it's a thick line. It's an eye wing for sure. Yeah, it's a little. It's a choice. Choices were made. <laughs> I'm just imagining Storm helping him with his eyeliner. Oh, so cute to think about though. Oh. Like, I didn't want the I didn't want Charles to get saved for many reasons, but also to preserve their love because I'm like, but you know what? Morph is still alive probably in this um, this future. And it looks really terrible. But it looks like y'all are, you know, y'all are hanging in. Y'all are having a really strong relationship. <laughs> Morph is definitely alive. We see him, I think. Yeah. At one point. He's, he's driving the car. Magneto is um, yeah. riding. You're right. See? Better future already. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone gets to wear those weird, that weird giant pearl necklace Magneto always wears. <laughs> They all have that. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Which was like a staple of Age of Apocalypse right. comic outfits, I feel like. Um, well, to so... that point, I mean, the Age of Apocalypse, at least the Age of Apocalypse made a specific moment. They were like, Charles Xavier wasn't around and therefore Apocalypse rose um, because there was no one to stop him that specific time. This never really outlines what the difference is. So it wants us to think Charles Xavier's ethos is itself the point right his like integrationist message and i think that's why part one ends with this like very vivid and quite shocking moment of racism right like the idea is supposed to be that charles xavier the thing he stands for will eliminate moments like this and i'm not sure it ever earns that it never gives us a reason to root for charles i think and to want him to stay alive you know, in this like at this point when they're at the table and he's going, this is so unreal. It's so unreal. He's already read Bishop's mind. Right. He already sees how Char, Wolverine, and Bishop are dressed. 
he already saw Char pull out a hologram on the table and he can read minds, but he still don't believe any of this could be happening. Yeah. Like <laughs> that is a really good point. It's like, but you read their fucking minds. Like what else do you need? That should be it. That on top of everything else, that should be like, okay, well I read the, read their minds. There's no way like he, he knows they can't fake that. Um, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be, he's like a shitty 19 year old. I don't know. I, I think shitty 19 year old with the same exact face he has, you know, 40 years <laughs> later. Yeah, I was just about to say, he's supposed to be 19. I thought he was like, I don't know. I was just like, I know you're supposed to be in college, but I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> he's got those like overdone eyebrows that he still has as an old man. Um, yeah, I. I don't know. I, I think, but I think the Xavier thing is kind of another part where it's like, this isn't from the comics and this is them. Like we spent four seasons or actually, Anthony, do you know when this was supposed to have aired? Cause I found something saying it actually was supposed to be before dark Phoenix saga, but in on Disney plus it's on season four. Yeah. I think Disney plus is the order they had intended things to Aaron. Cause they did fix the pre dark Phoenix stuff. Um, but this was massively delayed. It aired, September 9th and September 16th of 1995, which like makes it kind of the beginning of season four airing wise. But it, yeah, it's, it, it aired. They had this problem a lot where animation would come back delayed and they'd have to hold episodes back. And this episode has a lot of new scenes, right? Like all of that futuristic stuff and all of that ruined present day stuff takes longer. Um, so I think that's why this one was held back as, and all the characters have new designs, right? Like, the Wolverine model is new. The Beast model is new. Nimrod is new. Trevor Fitzroy is new. So that takes longer. Um, mm. So this was massively held back. It lifts right out though, right? Like it's basically yeah. in their timeline, it's basically Storm and Wolverine have a picnic. So there's no, you can drop it in anywhere really. Yeah. I was thinking that I was like, I wonder if this is supposed to take place like between Phoenix and dark Phoenix because it could be lifted from anywhere mm-hmm. and it doesn't, like it fits sure um because like you know by the end of the episode it's like oh none of this happened so sure um yeah that's what i i was wondering about that um so we get nimrod the nimrod encounter um and a a thing the cartoon does often especially with robots is it's like oh this robot can't be defeated and then someone just does a thing and it blows up um (laughs) (laughs) and like that's what they do here it's like oh no this robot's like uh, it's gonna kill us all and then storm like very easily just blows him up she has her best um, line ever though crack the heavens which i love oh yeah. storm has definitely been reading paradise lost <laughs> when she talks about adam and eve at the top it's to prepare us for this crack the heavens line at the end <laughs> anthony <laughs> chuck gets taken out by a door <laughs> 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 so it's like they stop Nimrod, but then they uh so Can you please talk about that scene. Yes. Steph, <laughs> oh I've tweeted a lot about that scene. Okay. So um because <laughs> you know they show it at the beginning and it's just like regular um like the, the speed is fine. They slow it down. And at first, because <laughs> by then, because yesterday was what it was, I was knee deep in a high. Um, so I thought, why are you for real? So they slow it down. So then I was like, wow. So the danger, and it's not the danger room, but like, it's just a dangerous gas or whatever. And I'm like, wow. So he dies. Cause he opens the door. <laughs> 
so dramatic. And I instantly thought of uh, Mary J. Blige's No More Drama. <laughs> that so because I put the music to it because I'm like, this is ridiculous. But I'm like, wow. So you went all the way um, back in time just for this fool to die because he opened up the door and he <laughs> planted this bomb. It was just so, it's the best thing to me ever. I, I love it so much. <laughs> the slowed down voices are just like really absurd like <laughs> also what was so so trevor fitzroy finds xavier in this room gently closes the door and carefully puts a bomb on the door he's inside is that what happened like, <laughs> and so anthony yeah and yeah. even weirder in part two even though they know this happened, they take him to the exact room he blew up in the first time. He's yeah. like, I die in this room? <laughs> I was so confused by that. I was like, are they dumb? Like, <laughs> I want this in the MCU. I don't care. I just, just put it there. <laughs> and it, it's just like, I mean, again, this as a kid, for me, this was so adult. It's like, oh, look, they failed and Xavier died. But it's like so silly. <laughs> and I love that it's just like a flash. Because the, the Wolverine and the Bishop and Professor Xavier says, I think his line slowed down is what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous because it is just the fun how could you not love this how could you not love the x-men animated series they clearly um this fourth the fourth and fifth season like the wheels were like really off the car by now and that <laughs> cemented it for me why? yeah yeah i like and also, they did a really bad job of keeping track of him. Like, that's they're there for him. Right. And they're like, mm, well, and whatever. they're fighting on the lawn. <laughs> he's, he's up there, kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we get the B continued. And I, I mean, we got a couple of B continues in this cartoon. Every time I was always like, ah, like freaking out because I couldn't wait for next week. When I would get my allergy shot, my dad would tape it on VHS and then I'd watch it when I got home. Um, so. The next episode starts with them encountering the angry crowd from the coffee shop, and Storm puts them in like a whirlwind. Uh, whirlwind which... from the heavens engulf these misguided souls. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, it sounds so regal in your voice. <laughs> I, love it. I don't want to slander Storm because I love Oral to like deep down in my heart. But sometimes, like as I've been watching the the show back too, and she goes through this whole performance, I'm always thinking, girl, could you just get to it? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I appreciate someone who needs to do like a dramatic monologue before they like use their powers. It's like so it, it's I think of that as Storm, even though like that's not what she does in the comics. Like she'll like say a thing, but it's like while she's doing it. But this Storm is like, I need to wait. I need to say it. And <laughs> then like, I'll do. Jubilee's like barely holding on. <laughs> like We know where it's from, Storm. We know it's come here. We know you're pulling from the Arctic wind. Just get it up. <laughs> I like it as a beat for a character. Like, if you were raised literally believing you were a goddess, then I could see how this could be the weird way your personality is deformed, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But so Wolverine says he's tired of going back. He's done. He's done. Blah, 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 blah. Um, Storm kisses him. And I got to say, it's really cute. Wolverine's face literally turns into like the sad bottom emoji face. <laughs> and it's like kind of cute. It's like his eyes get all wide and he's like, mm, she kissed me. And it's like kind of cute. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> They're so cute. Uh, right <laughs> uh so they travel to like i'm not quite sure what like in my notes i just say oh they go back to that time travel room i don't know if there's like a name or whatever but they go to that time travel room forge is in his like kind of age of apocalypse outfit uh and you kind of know like oh shit happened because he's mostly a robot in this um and they argue with Forge, and I love Storm says, none of this matters, we have a job to do, and just goes right to doodling on that time travel platform, which, like, there's no way she would know how to use that because she never encountered it before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's when we get the Master, Mi the Master Mold line that, or no, it's not even that. It's This is Master Mold's, like, he's mad that Fitzroy and Bantam didn't do their thing, so then he tells Nimrod, that if they encounter, if they do like accomplish their mission to kill them, which I will say, I like th this is like shit I like about X Men, right? Like Bantam and Fitzroy are like mutants who don't care about other mutants. They're just like, sure, we got money, so we're gonna work for Master Mold. But this is where they're like, oh shit, he is gonna kill us. And I like that when he pulls Bantam out, Bantam is saying, we're gonna die. And then they listen to Master Mold say, you know, tell Nimrod to kill them. And that's like the shit I like about the X-Men where it's like, oh, these guys are villains, but now they're being grouped with the other guys. So now they're going to now they're like more willing to help them. Right. Right. And I don't know. I think that's like very X-Men-y. Right. That moment in the second X-Men movie where Magneto's like, well, fuck these humans. And like immediately <laughs> turns the, the Cerebro on all of them. And it's like, I yeah. really like that. It's always an intramural versus like other community kind of thing. I like that a lot here, too. Um, yeah. They're dirt bags, but they're still mutants. <laughs> right. Yes. And I like that's that's a thing that I think and I think we've been talking about this all summer. That's like the beat that's always missing from like an Avengers story or something like that, where like the X-Men have that beat and they can oh they can always have it. Like it's always there to use with their villains. Um but yeah. Uh so they're all attacked in Forge's time travel room, but Fitzroy comes in to help them. Uh, I, the shard and Forge dying is so <laughs> shard gets like blasted, but like the same way everyone else has been blasted for like consistently for the last two episodes, <laughs> but like she can't move. And I don't know if it's supposed to be like, Oh, but like this was a killing shot. And like, you know, if it weren't a cartoon, she might be bleeding or something. Or if it's just like she was knocked down. I couldn't. I don't know. What do we all? How do we all read that? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, just, I, I, I don't know, and I should, but I. That was one the one moment, and I was like, okay, and then. Right. <laughs> it's given us no way to care about her right like we don't know what her powers are i'm pretty sure they just said her name for the first time a few seconds ago we only find out it was his sister after she's dead right like, and after yeah. wolverine goes tough break pal yeah <laughs> it just didn't make any sense I'm like why did why is she here like why did y'all bring her here just to do that right. um 
So that's what I mean by like, I didn't know, like, I just didn't know what to do with that moment. So I just kind of was like, well, I guess we're just heading on with the rest of this episode. Uh, yeah, I mean, she is kind of just presented to like die in episode two, um, because even so, we like her powers are very nondescript, right? Like it's just like she can shoot energy blasts as well. Um, and when she shoots Nimrod, it even is like animated as a weak blast, like it just kind of like bumps his head, and then he looks at her. So I'm like, mm. like even her powers are very like mm, I don't know, so they're energy blasts, but they're not that good. Like mm, he's still gonna get them. Is this the only time in the second episode where Bishop actually uses his powers? Because before he's using the gun, but at some point he gets shot and he finally does something. Oh, I think you might be right. Yeah, I I don't think he does. Yeah. What a... <laughs> <laughs> and, but also, I, for some reason, I was always thinking that um, his powers were like tied to his gun, like he would um charge it up that way so maybe in my mind i was assuming like well that's what he's doing with it but you're right um this is the first time like you actually see him absorb and then redistribute that power and how hard would it be to explain what char does so she's in it so much you think at some point they would right (laughs) she would do anything yeah what What are her powers because i genuinely don't know aside from like she can shoot energy she absorbs ambient light and turns it into energy blasts shard of light oh (laughs) which is why she ended up being a hologram later right right that makes that makes more sense then yeah but she has the generic, like the 90s powers were all like that, right? Where it's just like, I don't know, energy, right? Like <laughs> we, the 80s were very like high concept, like she, Rogue will touch them and then she'll absorb the personality. And then the 90s were just like a beam of light. And like, that's about it. And the and writer has gun. to explain what, what that beam of light is. And it might change on the next page, right? Like, <laughs> I was rereading the issue that introduces Trevor Fitzroy last night. Um and all of a sudden, Emma Emma Frost has telekinetic powers, and it's not really like it's because Jean is in her mind. But that's, that's not how a mutant power should work, right? Uh, <laughs> it's just the answer is always it's the nineties. That's wait, Anthony is his first issue the issue where the Hellions all get killed? Yeah, he's his he appears okay. in this first issue with Bishop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't um, know. I couldn't remember if that was that. Yeah, he's sort of designed to be Bishop's arch nemesis, but. No one ever figured out how to use him in an interesting way. His his power set is so bizarre. Like he opens time portals, but he can't use them himself. And if you try to use the time portal backwards, you get dissolved into goo. And it's just like <laughs> he's too complicated to use effectively in a story. I think he needs kind of a simplification. He he was a character that like went away after the nineties, right? Like I oh yeah, I don't think anyone is. He was uh, Peter David used him a little. Peter David did like a stopover in Bishop's timeline, which is why Multiple Man now has that M scar on his eye. Um, and he's oh, right, in that right. a little bit, but he's, he's kind all of... Up... Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say he's all up and through Marauders. Um, and I actually really like him in that because he's he's got this... Um, I don't know, like you think of Bishop like this, of course, Time Cop, but he's kind of got like this... Um, not an assassin, but just a very... You need a guy to get a job done call bishop right yeah bishop got turned into i mean he became kind of a villain for a while he was trying to kill hope summers in a very like out of character kind of story arc um 
I like the like demolition man esque things you can do with Trevor Fitzroy. Um, but he had that armor that was the the toy had the armor of that was like really cool. But he's more visual than he is developed. I think. Yeah. Aside, like honestly, aside from like that, is it is he the one that kills the Hellions, or is it the Sentinels they bring in? He kills a bunch of Hellions in it. Like he really tears through him he kills like beef which is my favorite code name anyone has ever had um <laughs> he kills Jetstream. he has his own fleet of sentinels from the future which he's using right. which i think is yeah. where a lot of this story in this episode comes from is like trevor fitzroy works with sentinels so the, a lot of the visuals here come from that um but yeah he, he's his whole thing in that first issue is he's trying to buy his way into the upstarts which are the gang that are trying to kill the hellfire club so he's killing donald pierce and um a bunch of the hellions so that he can be the new black king of the hellfire club he wants his dad's ring um sebastian shaw's ring in it see that's that's the thing i didn't remember i didn't remember the sebastian shaw like it's very the, the way that they were working back then was like the artist delivered pages and the writer then had to make sense of the pages <laughs> so sometimes there's a note in the second issue that's like the writer literally has to put like an editor's note being like, that's not what you saw last issue, but believe us, it happened <laughs> because it's such a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember there being a lot of editor's notes back yeah, then. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, so where are we in the episode? So, oh, so they, so they leave Shard and Forge to die uh, with the Nimrod, with Nimrod, but Shard does say like, well, if you win, uh, it'll be fine, which I guess is true. But so, OK, I wanted to talk a little bit about the time travel rules here, because I do think they do a better job of like keeping it fairly tight. But Bishop himself feels like he falls apart once we like do it, because it's like, well, wouldn't his time be different? Right. Or is it because his timeline, his his future with Shard is where Xavier lived and everything was fine. Right? I don't... And because, <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> what is happening? Because, like, the first appearance of, at least in the cartoon, the first appearance of Bishop is, he is, like, a... He is, like, what Fitzroy is doing, right? Like, he's working for the Sentinels, and he's, like, bringing Wolverine in, and then they, like... Bishop realizes, oh, the Sentinels are going to kill me, too. I think that's in the Days of Future Past version the cartoon does, or it's in one of the other time travel episode arcs that the cartoon does. But so I don't know. I'm like, what would Bishop's future be like when they win? Is it like happy? Is it still like? I think it's still junk. I think it's still the shitty world. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Variations. And Ford either has more or less body parts. Right. And the Sentinels are purple instead of green, right? That's... (laughs) True. Yeah, <laughs> they really hate those green sentinels. It's just tacky. <laughs> but so I, I, I like the idea of just like describing a lot of what happens as, ooh, if you have that armband on, you're good. You're like you exist outside of time. And I almost feel like Endgame should have used that. That would have made it would have made it just like immediately make more sense if it was just like, nope, that exists outside of time. We're good. Actually, I feel like just giving you that like little plot device kind of makes up for any hiccups along the way. Um, I don't know. Uh, Angelica, what do you think of the time travel? The way they did time travel? 
time travel always hurts my brain because I'm an overthinker, <laughs> thanks to anxiety. Wow. <laughs> um, and so I always get into like weird circular patterns when I'm trying to like think of, well, how does that work? Like, especially with Shard's death, I was like, okay, so if they succeed, does that mean she didn't die? Or is this like a timeline that they're branch that branched off and like she technically still died in some form of existence? I don't know. I don't get it. Time travel <laughs> never makes sense. There's always problems with it. I feel like this one, definitely those little arm bands that they were wearing definitely is a smarter way of handling things than I think a lot of movies do, where it's just like the moment you start to even slightly think about the time travel rules it doesn't make any sense yeah yeah um justin what do you think of the time travel <laughs> i have a question <laughs> okay <laughs> there was a, a scene where uh i guess she's talk storm is talking to xavier and she's showing him something on the armband like what what future was that? Was that the future right. if he lived? <laughs> I mean, like, and how does she know how to use it? All of and who stuff? shot that footage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is a good question. <laughs> um, Steph, what do you think of the time travel? Um, same thing as Angelica. Like, I just sure is my like i just always compare to time cop and if and so my rules for time travel is can two people be in the same like can they touch each other and clearly in endgame they can because i just knew the cap and the cap were gonna cronenberg their ass together <laughs> and then i'm just gonna <laughs> they would not be anymore um it's just um i guess the armbands help or whatever and i'm like okay i'm fine but it just makes it makes no sense. My problem is, so when they're back, this is like where I get a little, a little. Um, this is where it's like even more confusing. Where like, so I appreciate that when they get back to Bard College, Wolverine's like, here we go again. Um, <laughs> and immediately but... shakes Charles Xavier unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> and Storm is like, you did it again. <laughs> he literally ragdolls that man till he's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but so when they're in the room and they're like oh look that's us coming to save you and then they the the us that they're pointing to disappears i don't understand <laughs> like <laughs> what's going on right like i think on one hand they would have never had to have come back because he lived but the other people wearing armbands too so why did they also disappear yeah, that bothered me because I was like, oh, are we going to see them interact with another version of themselves? And then I was like, oh, no, they're just, oh, okay, I guess. Sure. <laughs> like, and then also, like, at the beginning of the first episode, um, when they're, like, on that picnic, and then all of a sudden, things just change. So at any given moment, you could just be living your life, and then Xavier gets executed or someone... <laughs> With time, and then boom, another reality that is stressful as hell. That right. is really stressful. Also, are we stuck in like a shitty reality because someone went back in time and then like <laughs> fucked things up? 
I think I, so. You know what? I, I think, think yeah. something's going on. I don't like it. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but I don't like it. <laughs> we need Bishop and Char to teleport into our rooms right now and be like, oh, this is what happened. We got to go back. And it's like, oh, well, that makes more sense. Thank you. Right. <laughs> uh, you know what else? I don't think they ever really discussed like the usual time travel rules. Like, don't interfere with this. Wolverine, don't beat this guy up because his son <laughs> goes on to work for the president. Feel like, right. like okay, we'll do whatever. Would. Yeah. I'm so I'm gonna fly around like yeah you think they'd be more careful because like people like seeing like a woman flying in the sky a black woman flying in the sky in 1959 you think you think that'd make the news you know what I mean <laughs> they should get up from the couch and they're like looking out the window I'm like okay so when <laughs> Because, yeah. yeah, shouldn't the future be like even more fucked up because they were just like going around willy nilly showing their powers and just like not even trying to blend in with people at all? Like they were just rolling up into places like dressed in future clothing, like, what's up? Give us coffee. Like, <laughs> our holographic projection and our giant guns. Like, one of the weirdest fucked up implications at the end of the episode when Xavier says they will never know and he remembers that Storm and Wolverine saved him and were making out when he was 19 and he's just never told them that's why I hate him (laughs) James yeah what the fuck man you have to be telling people shit like this imagine being friends with somebody like this who's probably read your mind when you don't know it you can't lie to them. You can't, like, you know, buy them a good gift, probably, because they're fucking assholes looking into it and then giving you a weird look on them. Like, really, bitch? He sucks. He, like, really sucks as a person. <laughs> he puts his uh, his hand on his chin and he has this very stoic whatever. I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. This is why you're bald. And- <laughs> <laughs> that has some ball head hosted that you wouldn't do that. Like, like, that him to, I knew he wouldn't let them know, but it just it angered me so much because I'm like, they sacrificed their love so that you could still be alive. Yeah, the least you could do is say, hey, you know, this is going to sound kind of weird, you guys. But, and then I'll like, just tell them what's up. And then maybe, you know, they get together and, you know, you never know. It could have been a really beautiful love. Yeah, he should give them a bottle of wine or something. Exactly. Where's the Prosecco on this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's... I would have liked a scene. I mean, I know we're like, it's like they blow past a lot of things here, but I would have liked to see Bishop reunited with Shard, like just so we knew, like, oh, he got back and it's all good. But we don't get that. I don't know. And I... But like, Anthony what can... is their relationship anyway, right? Like, what would that be like? He's like, great, you're back. Like, I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't seem to. <laughs> he doesn't seem to care much about her. So, I don't know. Um. So, yeah. I. I mean, I like that we get Fitzroy, even that Fitzroy who doesn't know Master Mold's gonna kill him. Like, he takes a turn and he does. I mean, help isn't the word, but like, he's like, okay, I won't kill him. Um. <laughs> Put the bomb on the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no more drama won't play this time um but like yeah i the end feels it feels like the i think part one is a lot tighter than part two 
Um, and I think part two also feels like very at, like the last like 10 minutes are very rushed. There's a lot of things that happen. Um, and it's weird because we spent so much time like sitting on like them blowing up and Nimrod reforming and then it blowing up and reforming. Um, which also did, so Nimrod blows up like 800 times. He turns into like the liquid and forms back together. But then they realize the armband is there, which feels weird, right? Because that armband hadn't been there the whole time. <laughs> no, it definitely animated. wasn't until suddenly it needed to be. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, also, he's a robot. Why isn't that built in? Why does that have to? Why is that a removable accessory? <laughs> right. It's like weird because like yeah, that should just be like him, right? That should be like a part of him, not like a accessory he's wearing. Um, like your robot, put this on. Can you can you imagine like the T one thousands or whatever going back with like a Rolex or something? Um, right. <laughs> like why? This chunky bracelet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That I was gonna ask you all if you thought that I was like, is he reading their minds and seeing that, or is he just remembering that and he knows this is the moment that that happened? Like, would have been the moment they went back in time or whatever. With Storm and Wolverine. Well, they wouldn't have those memories. There's nothing to read. Oh, right. So the only thing I, it can be is that he's remembering when he was a kid and these people saved him is the only thing I can understand him. But I think he actually says, we will never know. So I don't even know if it's a memory at all. I don't know. He, just he does get knocked out by Fitzroy. Just uh, I feel like he thinks that every time he sees them getting right. a little too close. <laughs> Like, oh yeah, that other time y'all was doing it, yeah. Oh, but I can't tell y'all. Then the next time it happens, he go, mm-hmm. Ooh, like he's got like the seat. He's full of secrets, right? Yeah. Wait, is Xavier like peeking in on these on them? Because another thing about the whole entire series is that you never see any other children. Like you don't. It's not really a school. Like I don't. Right. Or maybe I'm misremembering right now, and I'm watching it in in real time. But like I don't remember like it like seeing kids running around like it was just these adults living in this mansion um everybody's fucking and yep. Charles is just a, like in his office like he did do a crash their picnic too <laughs> yeah like he's doing his own little uh Pornhub category thing <laughs> <laughs> let's see what, let's see what Rogue is up to <laughs> Stephanie yeah i this I don't think this cartoon that's like a thing the movie did where they had a lot of students, but I don't think the cartoon ever, but I, I, I don't know if you guys in the nineties, it really wasn't right. Wasn't that kind of how it was in the nineties. It was yeah. just like them living there. Yeah. They had the new mutants in the eighties, but then they were X-Force and there was no, everyone was 30 living. At Xavier's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Gene and Scott were living in the pool house at the time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Story in the attic. Um, yeah. Which is funny because she's in an attic in the comics as well and actually has to give up her attic for Cyclops and his baby mama. Oh, wait, God. what? Really? I'm very serious. <laughs> Cyclops, when uh, he and uh, Madeline Pryor were together, they have a kid. Um, Xavier is off with um, Leandra on a Tom Joyner morning uh, space cruise. Right. <laughs> back trying to like manage the bills at the mansion and um cyclops have a ch has a child with manlin and uh storm gives up her attic uh to them because they don't have anywhere to stay because cyclops doesn't have a job 
Because <laughs> he doesn't have a job. <laughs> I do remember the attic because I think I want to say there was like an X Men Unlimited issue with like Storm and Forge, and he's like up in the attic mm-hmm. um, with her. She was in the uh, attic like right right from the beginning. I think as soon as she moves yeah. to the mansion, she's taking care of the plants in the attic. It's racism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People like throw her up so, in the attic. Sorry. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, so okay so we're at the end um what was your favorite scene angelica my favorite scene was probably the final moment that this alternate storm and wolverine are able to have together before they you know are erased from time uh, I, I don't know. I thought it was really beautiful. And I was like, oh, they seem so cute together. You know, I don't they know. Do. I'm a romantic. So if you strike the right romantic chord with me, you know, you'll have me forever, basically. <laughs> uh, Justin, what was your favorite scene? You know, I like that scene as well, like where they're like reaching around each other and hugging and then the pressing the buttons and saying, you just poof, gone. That was deep. <laughs> uh steph what was your favorite scene no more drama uh the number no <laughs> so over the top and i feel like it just really surmises like what the series was um just for me and i love it like it's just it's so dramatic and over the top and charles dies so <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Anthony. Oh, tough. It's tough to say. It might be Wolverine in the tree looking hot as hell. It might be the Sentinel being like, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I do like that last. Although, I don't understand why Bishop establishes they have an, another day. Like, why not just take a vacation day before turning off your wristwatch? Yeah, that makes no sense to me. See, if I had written it, they they would have been fucking for, you know, just been a whole day just like fucking, <laughs> you know, maybe swimming in a nice pool, you know, yeah. real cute shit, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I would have liked another day before the wrist, like, change, put that same hug and wristwatch deactivation while they're fucking later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't even realize he does. He says they have a whole day, but then he says it lasts a day, a day, maybe two, and then they oh. immediately kill themselves. <laughs> like, well, okay. <laughs> I feel like I might have taken a beat, but whatever. Let's <laughs> get back to this X Men shit. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know. I think my favorite scene is um, I really like the the um Fitzroy joining them in with like in Forge's like time travel room I don't know I like just because that feels very true to X-Men of like I mean what I said before it's like oh I'm the villain I'm trying to kill you but now I'm gonna we are all mutants so here I'm gonna help you because like he cares about himself um and I do really like that turn and it's very like true to X-Men um Anthony did you still want to give favorite outfit I mean, it's such a blowout. Like, Storm's mohawk look is so iconic. Although, I don't think it needs the headband. I feel like the headband is sort of cluttering the look here. So, I I will tell you all, I I mean, not that any of you don't know this already, what a fucking nerd I am. So, like, you know, I, like, photograph my figures for the covers of the episode. I try. There's a Storm mohawk figure in her, like, 80s uh, jacket. 
Um, and I tried to like accessorize her the way she's accessed. I was like just putting random shit on her and it looked way too crowded. And yeah. I was like, Hmm, it's weird that the cartoon did this because why does she need all, cause she has like a leg band and that headband. And like, I tried to like put shit on her and it just looked stupid. So I, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the storm is my favorite outfit too. Um, I don't know if anyone has a conflicting opinion on favorite outfit for the episode arc, but no. Um, so now we're going to grade it. Uh, Justin, what grade do you give it? I'm going to give it a, a, a B only because I could not stand Charles the entire time. <laughs> uh, Angelica, what grade? I'm going to give a B minus because I really don't like Charles and I don't <laughs> like Storm's headband. And, you know, I really wanted them to have a day of fucking and they didn't get that and that really hurts me as someone who loves both storm wolverine and fucking so (laughs) (laughs) uh stephanie i'm giving it an a again off the strength of that scene i don't think you all understand how it gave me the best laugh of the day and i really needed it (laughs) it gets an a A off of that (laughs) i love it uh anthony what grade do you give it uh i guess a yeah b feels right i think it could have been a tight one episode um but i i i mean charles really needed to prove why i should give a fuck about him being alive and i don't think he did so (laughs) Uh, yeah i think like prior to my rewatch i would have said a but yeah i think i i think i'd go down to a b um with this rewatch yeah um Thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Anthony, for being my lovely co-host as always. Uh, if you like the podcast, you can find us on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And we are on social media at SlayerFestX98. You can subscribe to our Patreon, which helps keep the podcast going, gives you access to mini episodes and our private Facebook group. And if you like, if you want to follow me on social media, I am at Carlos on all platforms. Uh, Anthony, where can everyone find you? Oh, I'm uh, Mia Koopa everywhere. And Stephanie? Uh, you can find me uh, at Steph underscore I underscore Will on Twitter and IG. And Angelica? You can find me on Twitter at Angelica Bastian. And Justin? You can find me on Twitter at Justin Centric. All right, guys, and we'll see you all next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>